God, we thank you first and foremost for this place, for the church, a refuge where we can come every single week and find strength and wisdom and support for our lives. We don't take it lightly. We say thank you. We thank you for our pastors. We thank you for the worship leaders. We thank you for all the dream team members that make this happen every single week because it is a refuge for us where we can come and think on your level and open our minds and open our hearts and invite you in in a way that uh, only we can in, in this space. God, we just ask that today you'd meet us in a real tangible way, in a real, real way there would be illumination, that we'd see things that we've never seen before, that we think about things that we've never thought about before, so that we can be the people, God, that we've never been before. Would you help us to do that today? In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You happy today? Everybody happy? Having a good day? I had a rough start to my day, man, trying to get here to church, but I'm here. I showed up. We got in the car, and there was no gas in the car. Then we get gas in the car, and we're driving down. My 10-year-old doesn't have shoes on, you know what I mean? He's 10, and he's 10 years old. We got issues. We got issues, folks. Tonight, I uh, just want to say this. Tonight at our university uh, campus service at 830, uh, my buddy Rob Golden will be speaking at that service. Rob is an incredible, uh, incredible a lot of things, incredible father, incredible friend, and does a lot of great things, but he was also also has been an NFL player for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a lot of years, right? How many years did you play for Pittsburgh? Six years? We still like Pittsburgh? We still like that? We don't like them? We do? We don't? Whatever Rob says, that's what I go with, you know what I mean? Rob got me into football. So he's going to be there tonight. He's going to be preaching. He's going to share his thoughts on Antonio Brown and his public behaviors. You're going to talk about that tonight? No, I'm just kidding. He's not. He's not even going to go. I'm just trying to bait people to get this. So if you're up around 830, you're young at heart. Uh, come, come hang out. It's going to be going to be a good time. We'll see what kind of fun and trouble we can get into. If you haven't noticed, I like to get into trouble a little bit, get myself in trouble. Anyway, you're like, can you shut up and preach already? Do the thing that we want you to do. Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 in the Passion Translation. I'm going to read a story that's a little bit interesting about two guys, one by the name of Paul, the other by the name of Barnabas. Uh, if you were here a couple weeks ago, I talked on the conversion of Paul. Paul was this guy who used to be known as Saul. Uh, he was a persecutor of Christians. He sought to kill them and murder them. He had this crazy encounter with God where God uh, was able to impact him in such a way that he converted to faith, what we know now as Christianity. He was actually one of the first guys to go around and talk about Christianity. So you got to imagine the context of who this man was as he traveled throughout different parts of the world saying that Jesus is the way at a time that there's no fundamental uh, structure or belief system that has been passed down like for many of us from generation to generation. When he starts doing this, he's partnered with a guy by the name of Barnabas. These guys are like a duo, dynamic duo, a team that everywhere they're going, they're spreading this message of Jesus that we know today. Unfortunately, their story doesn't end up like maybe uh, you would like to see it in a movie or a novel. Uh, if you thought about this being your life, you'd read this. And when we read this, you're going to feel this feeling. It's kind of like a, ah, why, why did it have to happen like that uh, kind of feeling? So in Acts chapter 15, in verse 36, uh, we'll pick up the text there. It says this, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's travel to the regions where we've preached the word of God and see how the believers are getting along. So he wants to go back and check on the people that they preached to before. Verse 37 uh, says that Barnabas wished to take Mark, also known as John, along with them, but Paul disagreed. So Barnabas isn't opposed to going. He just wants to bring Mark, but Paul doesn't want him to bring Mark. He says this. He didn't think it was proper to take the one who had deserted them in South Central Turkey, leaving them to do their missionary work without him. It became a heated argument between them, a disagreement so sharp that they parted from each other. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas as his partner. 
The Bible continues and says this, after the believers prayed for them, asking the Lord's favor on their ministry, they left for Syria and Southeast Turkey. Every place they went, they left the church stronger, everybody say stronger, and more encouraged than before. I, I had this guy um, hit me up on Instagram and uh, he slid into my DMs and he sent me this message about uh, how he had all of these accounts that he had started in the beginning days of Instagram. You may not know how social media works, but if you can get, it, get in on the beginning trend of somebody, you have this ability to grow your following or your influence rather quickly. We see that now with things like TikTok and different things. But when Instagram was starting, this guy was telling me how he did this and he had all of these accounts that had upwards of like 50,000 followers on these accounts. Some were 50,000, some were 100,000, uh, some were 200,000. And in this message, he told me, I'm trying to, to, to sell these accounts, to get rid of these accounts, um, because I'm trying to get into some new stuff and I, and I don't really need them anymore. So it already kind of sounds like odd and kind of shady to me, but uh, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I may not be interested right now, but to have an account like this, because if you, some of you may use your social media accounts just to keep in touch with family members, show people what your kids are doing or eating or what your dog did in your backyard, but like some people use them for, for business means and ways of building a brand and, and things like this. So I think to myself, well, if this guy's legit, it might not be a bad idea to try to pick up one of these accounts. So I, I end up messaging you back, like, what's the deal? Like, why are you trying to sell these accounts? How much are you trying to sell them for? Well, the, the amount was like ridiculous. It was like 160 bucks or something like that that he was wanting to sell this one account, had 50,000 uh, followers on the account. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, you know, like my intuition which is usually pretty strong, was telling me, like, this probably isn't a good idea, like, probably a little bit shady. So I messaged the guy back, and I tell him, like, hey, I, I don't really feel good about this. I, there's no way to, like, you know, show that you're valid or legit. He's like, no, I'm, I'm legit. He's like, here's my phone number. You know, you can call me. I think, okay, well, if I can talk to this guy, catch a little bit of the tone of his voice, maybe this would be a good thing. So I call him. Like, we talk, and, and he's telling me about these. He's, like, selling me, like, the card, telling me, like, all these things about these guys. I said, well, why are you trying to do this to begin with? And he tells me, he's a, he's a young kid, right? He's, like, a teenager, and uh, he's telling me that he want, he's getting, want, wanting to get into esports, uh, video games and things like that, which are becoming, like, a huge thing in today's society, a lot of money to be made there. So he's trying to acquire all of this equipment that he needs to be able to play esports and stream his stuff online. Dude sends me like all of these photos, pictures of the gear that he's purchased. And he's like, I just need a couple more things. So the reason that I'm selling these accounts for so cheap is that because I just need a couple more things. I'm wanting to get away from the social media like sphere and kind of really focus on my gaming thing. So I don't know. I still didn't feel good about it. So I told the guy like, you know, I, I just don't think it's a good idea. I don't have a way. Like maybe if you like turn over the stuff and then I paid you, he's like, you're stupid. Like I'm not going to do that, obviously. I'm like, well, maybe like what, what can we do? How can we find like a middle ground where I feel good? I said, well, what if I paid you? 60 bucks up front, and then you give me all the information, and then I'll pay you the rest. And he's like, no, like, I don't feel good about that. Anyway, later he comes back, and he's like, okay, well, we can do that. Like, just send me the 60 bucks. You'll see that I'm legit, and then um, I'll give you all the information, and you can uh, send me the rest after. So I was like, okay, so we're going we're gonna to do this. So I get out, and I, I wire him 60 bucks. Dude, within 10 seconds, he had me blocked on every single freaking account. I called his number. He had my number blocked. Oh, the rage in my heart. I'm like, I'm going to find this guy. I'm getting the police involved. You know what I mean? Like, we're going we're gonna to find a way to find this stupid little kid that took my little money. I was, I was so furious. I got scammed. I wish I was lying. And I wish this was a long time ago. But this wasn't even that long ago, okay? If it sounds too good to be true, usually... Usually it is. If I stood up here this morning and I told you, hey, guys, um, 
we're people of faith here. I really dug into this good book, the Bible, and I've, I've cracked the code as it pertains to all of your relational disputes and relational trauma. I have the secret to where you and your spouse will never, ever, 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 ever fight again. I have a way that you will never be mad at your boss. Your boss will never be mad at you. You'll never have any type of disagreements or conflict. Your kids will never do anything that make you really mad that cause you to yell at them and then cause tension in the house. Like, I have found the ultimate secret. How many would want that secret? Right? I don't have that secret. Like, like we, I don't have that secret. And we laugh. Here's, here's the funny thing. We laugh because we kind of already know this. We know as, as much as we want there to be a magic pill, so to speak, to make all of our relationships be reconciled and perfect, we know that perfect doesn't exist. Why? Well, because I'm involved, right? Because, because we know us, and humans are so flawed, so imperfect. I mean, can we be honest for a second? We have defense mechanisms. We, we have ways that we respond to things, ways that we see the world, perspectives, viewpoints, all these different kinds of things. We have people in this room that you have a hot temper and you get angry and you get fierce and you get ferocious. Then we have passive aggressive people that are like, no, no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. It's okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like, no, no, no big deal. Like, I'm not, I'm not angry. We have people that respond to situations like that. We have people that manipulate and people, and, and not even that we want to. This is just the operating system that we that we run on. We're trying to be better, but we struggle because we're imperfect. And because we're imperfect, we know that the reality is that our relationships can never be perfect. Yet, isn't it interesting as it pertains to our societal standard, when it comes to relationships, what we're looking for is perfect. Like the reason that we're frustrated with our relationships is because what? We argue too much. Why do we have to always argue? Why do we have to have these fights? Because, because you're imperfect. But because of society, because we've so romanticized this idea of relationships, not just romantic relationships, but friendships, you have to understand that relationships make the world go round, right? We've romanticized them so much that we think that, in, that the goal is, somehow the goal is that we got to be into a place in our relationships where we don't argue, we don't have fights, we don't have disagreements, there's never tension, uh, there's, there's never having different opinions about different things, but the reality is that will always exist because we're humans with different perspectives. At that point, it's like, well, then why do we need relationships? Let's just throw all that away, right? Like, if, if there's no point to make them, like, this idea of perfect or what we you know, really, really want them to be, why even engage with it? Well, the reason is you need relationships to become the person that you're going to become. What about every, every single thing in your life comes as a result of a relationship. Money doesn't just fall down from heaven. You have to know somebody that's going to hire you from, for a task. What is that? That's, that's a relationship. For you to experience the joy and thrill of romance, what does it require? You can't, you can't just be by yourself. You have to have connection. You have to have relationship. Every single thing that happens in your life is going to happen as a result of, of, of a relationship. So we have to have relationships. Well, how do we have relationships when we don't really understand them? And I think this is really what, what it boils down to. And I want to kind of talk us through this today because I think that we have some ideas as to how relationships should work that is not really reality. We have this idealistic illusion in our mind that we think that a perfect relationship looks like this when in reality it doesn't look like that. If you actually break down how a relationship starts, if you're taking notes, kind of jot some of these ideas down. I'm going to make some bold statements today, but I want you to give me a, a chance to maybe wrap, around, wrap context around them to where you can understand them. When, when two people meet each other, what brings people together and forges relationships is one of three things. Okay, so people end up being friends, being in a relationship based upon, number one, their position, position in life, meaning we're at the same place in life, we're a new family, 
uh, we're just having our first kids. Maybe you just showed up at the job site and you both have a similar job within a similar organization. People come together based upon position, where they're at in life. People also come together based upon passion, meaning things they'd like to see in life. This intrinsic thing inside of you that says, I would like to see this accomplished. And then you meet somebody and, oh my gosh, you have the same passions, you have the same aspirations, you have the same things that you would like to see in the world. As it pertains to romance, you don't, you're not joined together just a lot of times based upon things that you know intellectually. It's this passion element, this thing that I, that I feel intrinsically, internally that pulls us together. So we have position, we have passion. Here's the last one, we have, we have perspective, meaning people come together because they see the world through the same lens. You tracking with me? We have the same views. What do you, what do you think about this issue? Oh my God, you think that too? I think that too. What, what, what do, you, what do you, you like those things? I like those things. It's this idea that we say, see the world through the same lens. The way that relationships are started, this is really, really important. They're started based upon position, passion, and perspective. The challenge is the way that relationships are started is not the way that relationships are strengthened. So, so the reason that we don't know how to have relationships that have depth is because we try to strengthen our relationships with the things that start relationships. But more of the same position in your life isn't going to lead you to a stronger relationship because positions change. More of passion in your life isn't going to lead you to stronger relationships because guess what? As we all know, passions change. More intensified perspective is not going to strengthen your relationship. Why? Because perspectives change. See, I think a lot of people, times we, we say that, you know, we've never been more connected, yet you look around and we don't really have the support system that we should have for as, as connected as we are. People will blame things like social media, but it's really not so. This is the way humans have always been. And what I'm proposing today is it, I, I don't think it's because we don't want to. I think it's because we just don't know how relationships work. We, we've been programmed by the society that we live in, by media, by movies, to think that this is what a relationship is without understanding the context of what they truly are. Relationships are started by position, by passion, by perspective, but relationships are not strengthened by those things. Relationships are started by position, by passion, and perspective, but you know what relations are straight, strengthened by? Relationships are strengthened by problems. Wah, 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 not what I wanted to hear this morning, right? <laughs> the reality is you, you already know, you, like you may say, oh, really? But you already know this. The relationships that you have that actually mean something to you, that have depth, that is not just like kicking back at the pool, sipping on pina coladas and talking about your favorite reality TV show, like relationships that have depth, brotherhood, sisterhood, the people that you say are my family, those people didn't become those things based upon passion, based upon perspective, or based upon position. Those people became those people to you because you went through some stuff. What am I talking about? Problems. You were going through something, and they had to encourage you and tell you, you can keep going. You can make it through this. And all of a sudden, you made it through it on the other end and had a stronger relationship because of it. They were going through something. They were facing a problem, and you had to come and encourage them and say, you're going to make it. You're not alone. All of a sudden, they got through on the other side, and your relationship was stronger because of it. You faced a problem or a situation, maybe in your relationship, your friendship, or your marriage, and you were able to conquer that mountain, conquer that problem. And what happened? You got a little depth because of it. Your relationship got stronger, your relationship got stronger because of it. You know this. You see this in your life. People say, we'd be my best friend. Your best friends aren't people that just became your best friends because you gave them a title. It's because you've been through some things. A lot of you in this place, wouldn't, you, I mean, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know my closest friends. One of my, my best friends in the entire, entire world, his name is Lance McCampbell. And, and the funny thing about me and Lance is we don't hang out every single day. 
there's, there's weeks that we don't, we don't even talk every single week. Sometimes there's months that go by that I don't even see him. But can I give you maybe just a little background on our relationship because I think you can relate. When we first met, um, we didn't come together based upon passion because our passions couldn't have been more diverse. We didn't come together based upon perspective because we had different upbringings. And boy, do we see the world differently. We came together and became friends because of our position in life. We were both going to college for different things. But we happened to come back to Fresno during one of our breaks. And the church here was starting a ministry internship program. We were both in a position in our life where we thought there's got to be more than this system that we feel like we're kind of just placed in to climb some socioeconomic ladder. There's got to be more to life than this. And so for us, we thought that the step was to be a part of this program. It was our position, but it wasn't our position that strengthened our relationship. When I look back at what has made him the strongest friend, one of the strongest friends in my life is because of the things that we've been through together. To the time when we were at the gym in the morning, we'd get a phone call that his stepdad has passed away. We hop in the car and we put the foot on the gas and we're panicking and we get to the house and hop out of the car to see his mom standing there pulling at her hair saying, go in there and you raise him from the dead because we're ministry students and that's what we're supposed to do. We believe in the miracle power of God. I remember going into that room with him, the deceased body of his stepdad laying there, looking at him and saying, Lance, whatever you want to do, bro, I got your back. As we tried to raise a stepdad from the dead and couldn't. It's because of the moments that I was navigating and searching in my life where I didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to do. I just had my first kid. My life felt really empty. I didn't I thought I'd feel a whole lot more significant in my journey than I did by now. And I had this determination, maybe, to just, maybe I just need to move. Maybe I need to start something different. Maybe I just need to go somewhere. And going to my friend Lance saying, hey, Lance, I think me and family's going to move to L.A. And that's the type of friend that kicks you when you're down. And said, are you sure about that? Are you really thinking about this? I'm talking about the kind of friend that says, hey, man, I don't know, but I'll pray with you about it. We'll, we'll, we'll try it. I just know that God's got your back no matter what you do. Man, when you set your foot, God's going to make sure that he's with you. You don't leave God. God grows with you. What am I talking? I'm talking about, I'm talking about pro- problems that actually strengthen a relationship. I'm talking about the time that his daughter has a tumor behind her eye, and they don't know if it's cancerous or not yet. And I'm standing with him over his daughter's body that is still uh, medicated, and we're sitting there, and there's tears in the room. Once again, looking at it, whatever you want to do, what can I do? How can I help? What am I talking about? It's the problems in life that strengthen relationships. It's this ability to move past, to keep going in the midst of hardship. See, see, there's certain things that start relationships, but problems strengthen relationships. Here, here's, the, here's the kind of difficult part about it, though. What problems strengthen relationships, problems also sideline relationships. It's this weird double-edged sword. In fact, for most people, because we don't know how to handle relational tension and problems, most of the problems that we encounter end up sidelining our relationships. Think about the relationships that have failed in your life. Usually it's because you didn't know how to deal with the problem. You had a difference in opinion. You had a disagreement. Somebody said, so how could you say that? How could you do that? How could you betray me like that? How could you do those things, you monster, you animal? I never would have thought that it would have been you. What am I talking about? I don't know how to reconcile the problem that I'm facing. So the problem, problem rather than strengthening my relationship where I can get to the point and say, man, look what God has done and look at what we've been through. Instead, it sidelines me and I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. How do I I win in relationships when I don't feel like my relationships are winning? I think that's the question. How do I view relationships right so that the problems that I encounter 
cannot sideline me in my life, but actually strengthen me in my life. We see this story about Paul and Barnabas, and it's really, really interesting. Here you have two evangelists, people who are men of God, and they come to a point in their relationship where they have to go separate ways. They part. And when you read it, it's almost like, gosh, what, what, why, why this? Why is, why is this happening? Folks, if, if, if the elite of the elite have parting of ways in their life and have messy relationships, sorry to break it to you, we're going to have messy relationships too. Because life is messy. I don't have all the answers today, but I do think I have some tools that can help you level up as we peer into the story. The first one is this, as it pertains to winning in relationships and winning in life, I want you to write this down, and I want you to give me a little time to explain it. Uh, it's, it's this, I don't have to stay to win. I, I don't have to stay to win. In our society, in our culture, we have this idea that all relationships have to last forever. And if they don't last forever, then somehow in our life, I'm going to experience something that is less than. My life is going to be weakened. But here's the brutal reality. Relationships, not all relationships last forever, and not all relationships are intended to last forever. You see these two guys who no doubt, I mean, you have to understand their history. They have a strong relationship. These are the pioneers of the Christian faith, and yet they have a parting of ways. And when you read the end of the story, it actually says that their lives weren't weakened, that everywhere that they went, that it was what? You said the word, that it was strengthened. Well, this is a little bit confusing because you have to know that I don't, ha I don't have to stay. To in other words, not every relationship is going to last forever. Because why? That's not the purpose of relationships. What is the purpose of relationships? Relationships are for building. For building who? For building you. The reason why God brings relationships into your life because he's trying to do things in you that you can't do on your own. This is why he brings people into your life. There's, 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 there's assignments. Assignments for what? Assignments for building. If you're, if you're in construction in this place, you understand how building works, right? When you construct a building, is every crew needed for the entirety of the process? Is every person that you're going to hire, the electricians, uh, the sheetrock guys, the people going to come do the flooring, are they there for the whole journey? No. Why? Because they have an assignment. They have their part to play in the building of the project. And the same is true about relationships. This is why you have to understand what their purpose they're, they're there for building something in you. This is why if you're going to have successful, thriving relationships where problems actually strengthen you, you have to know that your, your relationships are going to change and evolve. And whether they stay the same or not doesn't dictate the success that you will experience in life. And if you don't adopt this perspective, your problems will always lead you to be sidelined and never strengthened. Sometimes you have to learn the, the art of letting go. To know that there's times that things have to tr transition. Why? Because it's all about building. So in other words, for God to do what he wants to do next in your life, there has to be space for it. And as long as you're holding on to the thing that you think is going to sustain you and not creating room, God can't bring in what he needs to bring in in order to build in you the thing that he's needing to build in you. Not everything lasts forever. And I think a lot of times, some of you in this place, you, you're, at this, you're at this crossroads. You're experiencing tension, because, and here's why you're experiencing tension. Because you're trying to keep the relationship the same as it always been, and that can't happen. If you're wanting, to, if, if you're wanting your problems to actually lead to strength and not you being sidelined. I have to let them ebb and flow and evolve. My grandmother sitting here today told me one time, and it stuck with me. You have to know when to let go, otherwise the fruit of what was will spoil Think about that. The, the fruit of what was. You ever find this happening in your life where, 
when you have a parting of ways, but you don't let it go, all of a sudden you become cynical and critical of everything that ever happened. And now you can't even experience the joy of what was good and beneficial in that relationship that added in you and edified you and built you and encouraged you and caused you to not throw in the towel when you wanted to throw in the towel. All of a sudden you start shaming all of the good when you don't know how to let go and create space. Sometimes what God is wanting to do in your life is on the other side of you being willing to let go. To say, I don't, is it to say goodbye? I don't, sometimes I don't know. I think it's just building, being willing to say whatever needs to happen, I'm just going to, I'm going to let it happen. I think in businesses, you know, sometimes business owners, you'll get in this position. And we can never, we couldn't, here's why we don't want to let go. Because I can't picture my life without this person, right? I, I could, our business wouldn't succeed. Do you know everything that they do that makes our business what it is? Do you know everything that they do that makes our family what it is? Do you know everything that they do that makes, there's, there's no way. And yet, again, read the text. When they part, both were actually strengthened in the end. Sometimes what you're holding on to is actually keeping you from the strength that you need to see in your life. What am I talking about? A new perspective on relationships, understanding that they're there for building. I don't have to stay to win. At the same time, I think we give up on relationships way too easy. So I said all that to say this, right? Like I said all that to say, let them go when they need to go. But at the same time, I think we give up on people too easy. I think we let go of people that we need to fight for. I think we let go of relationships that we need to fight for just because we're mis misunderstanding the things at play. So number one is I don't have to stay to win. Number two, write this down, I don't have to play to win, okay? I don't, I don't have to play to win. If I'm honest with you, we have too many unrealistic expectations that we project on one another. Like, we set these standards for people that they have to meet up to to make us happy. Like, imagine just within the context of romantic relationships. Like, think about the verbiage that we use, which actually sets the standard of what we all need to be. You are my everything, right? You, oh, my God, you, you, you complete me. Is anybody, is anybody ready to be somebody else's everything? Like, you can't even, like, am I the only person that when you say, you're my everything, I say, Re me, really? Like, that, I don't. Are you, are you sure? And it's not just you're in my everything for a couple years. Like, as long as we're together till death do us part, you complete me. I, I, I don't know if I can handle that type of pressure. A lot of times we expect things out of people based upon what we want, and we set the bar way up here, and we force people into a quadrant and into a box that they don't even belong. And when they're not that, all of a sudden we say, oh, we got strife in this house. Like, we're just on, why, we're just on two different people and two different islands and two different pages, just like ships passing in the night. Really? Like, this is the, these are the type of things that we say. When we read this story of Paul and Barnabas, I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. It's like, especially within the context of church, where we just need to cast this spirit of strife out. We, we, got, we got division here. They're just divided. They're divided. It's an attack of the enemy. And yet, when I stop and think about it, I'm like, you, you really think that? Because here's what I say. Let's get, let's get Paul and let's get Barnabas in the room. And let me say, Paul, Paul, what do you think about Barnabas? Do you love Barnabas, to be honest with you? I wouldn't be who I am without Barnabas. Why? Well, because I, I used to try to kill Christians, and I had this conversion experience where God called me into ministry, but because of what I'd done, I had all these insecurities. Barnabas, he's known in Scripture to be an encourager. He encouraged me that I wasn't my past. I wasn't the things that I've been through. I had this support system. I wouldn't be able to be the person. So you're telling me that you love Barnabas. Yeah, I, I love Barnabas. Barnabas, do you, do you love Paul? To be honest with you, yeah, because... I am more, I'm, I'm more of an encourager. You see, if it wasn't for Paul's life, Paul's very blunt and to the point and direct. This is what made him, uh, you know, a hater of, 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 of Christians. Like, he didn't care to stand in the face of adversity. He taught me how to have a backbone. He taught me how to be a person not just who is encouraging, but to be able to stand on my two feet to know that I have something to offer the world. So, so wait a second. 
Paul, you love Barnabas. Barnabas, you love Paul. And you both love God. Yeah, we're evangelists. That's what we do. Like we go around and we say, so divided? I don't think that you're divided. I think that you're just diverse. I think a lot of times in our world, we mistake division. What we think it's division when it's really just diversity because we live in a world who's really big on unity and we confuse unity with uniformity. What am I talking about? We all got to be the same. And if you don't think and believe the way that we do, then you're an outsider. Get out. If you're not for me, then, then, then you're against me. We're, we're divided. Sometimes you're not divided. Sometimes you're just diverse. And if you're not willing to embrace diversity, your problems will always sideline you. God doesn't want y'all to be the same. This is one of the most horrible things that creeps into even church culture is we think because we're in the know, we have the Savior, we're the best. You're not the, we're, we're not. We have, to, we have to break out of this box to unite with people around us. This is why, I mean, we look around this room. We want to be ethnically diverse. Why? So that we can reach people who are far from God in different spaces to say, you don't got to believe like us. You don't got to think like us. You don't got to see the world exactly as we do. And you can still be a part of this family. We're about unity, but not uniformity, because uniformity will always kill diversity. And it will cause you, here's what it has to, it will, it will, it will cause you to think, we're just divided. We're just so, we're, we're just, we're just so divided. We just aren't, no, you're just different. You're just different. This is why I say you don't have to play to win. You don't have to play a role. A lot of times, it's not that people don't like you. They just don't like the way you try to make them like you. I'm not mad at you. Just stop trying to make me the person that you are. Let me be me. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's not that they don't like working for you. They're just tired of laughing at all your jokes that they don't think are funny because they think if they don't laugh, they're going to lose their job. That gets old. I mean, if there's anything that we want, isn't it this just the ability that, yeah, I'm different, but can't we be on the same team? Like, can't we, Paul, what if Paul and Barnabas could identify, hey, yeah, you want Mark to come? I don't, and we're really passionate, but the bottom line is we're just different. We see things differently. We process things differently. We have different journeys that cause us to have different perspectives. It doesn't mean that we have to be divided. It means that we're just diverse. We th see things differently. You don't have to play to win, and in our world, in our society, if you're gonna have successful relationships, you're gonna have to find a way to celebrate diversity. When are you gonna change? No, let them, you be you. You be you, let me celebrate that. And all of a sudden, what happens when people feel celebrated and not tolerated? They're a whole lot better to be around. Sometimes God's greatest gift to you is somebody who's different than you. Why? Because they can build things in you that you can't build on your own. If he sent you somebody that was just like you, why would he need to send anybody? Because you could build that. If relationships are for building, building your life, building your family, building your vocational life, the things that are in you, sometimes that person that gets under your skin is the person you just say, I love you so much. We're so different. We're so different. But when you live in a culture that, that causes you and pushes off the pressure that everybody has to be uniformed, I'm telling you, it kills diversity. And when you do that, it kills God's plan. God is fascinated with diversity. Otherwise, why would we all be so darn different? You don't got to stay to win. You don't got to play to win. Here's the last one. You don't have to win to win. 
you don't, you don't have to win to win. And this is the tough one, right? Because when I encounter problems, a lot of times the reason why we get sidelined is because the first thing that I want to know is who's right and who's wrong. Because it, it, it gives me a position of superiority, right? Who's right in this argument? No, I'm right, I'm right, and here's why. And, and, and you always know because it's always that story that what happened to so-and-so? Oh, let me tell you what happened to so-and-so. Here's what, did you hear what they did? And here's, the, here's how it all played out, and this is what they did to me. You, I mean, you, you get that that's wrong, right? Like, I'm right in this, but, but you don't, what I'm saying is you don't have to win to win. When I look at the story of, of Paul and Barnabas, this is where it gets really tricky, folks. You have these people who are men of God, and then I say, who's right? And to be honest with you, I could argue up both sides of that mountain. I could, Paul, okay, Paul is right. Barnabas is right. Barnabas, why, why are you right? Paul, dude, like have a little grace and compassion for Mark. I get that he wasn't there from us, but what, think about the things that you've done, Paul. I mean, you were out to kill Christians and here God had grace on you. If God had grace on you, Paul, can't you have a little bit of grace on Mark? I could fight for Barnabas' side, but I could also fight for Paul's side. Paul, you're right, I'm right, Barnabas. You're so compassionate and such, such an uplifter. How long are you let people walk on you? When people show you who they are, believe them. At some point, you got to stand up for yourself because if you don't stand up for yourself, nobody's going to stand up for you. Come on, Barnabas. Get it together. Who, who's, who's right? But it's not about being right. See, I, I already know how you feel about being right. Here's my question. How do you feel about being wronged? Because in order to feel right, you have to feel wronged. In order for Barnabas to feel like he's right in the situation, he has to feel wronged by Paul. In order for Paul to feel superior like he's right, he has to feel wronged by Barnabas. And what causes the wins or the strengths in life, what you become is not how you deal with being right, but how do you deal with being wronged? Because there is nothing that will paralyze you more than being wrong. I mean, it's the stories that you talk to the woman that happened 30 years ago, but they're just stuck because I was, I was, I was right, but I was wronged. It's the thing that becomes paralyzing. It's the things that when you hear that song in the grocery store, you smell that perfume of that person, your stomach starts to turn. I didn't think these emotions were still here when somebody says, says their name and they weren't even talking about them, but all of a sudden your whole afternoon is messed up because you're reminded of how you've been wrong. Being wrong can cause you to be stuck. How, how, how do I get to a place where my problems can actually strengthen me? The key is this. I have to be able to move past the problems. But how do I move past the problems when I'm stuck? I love the way the text says it because I could only imagine. I mean, think about the human emotion. We read this story just as, as, as Christians, you know, down the line. Think about the human emotion of being Paul or Barnabas. All I've ever had was Paul to have my back and he don't got my back no more. And I know... I know that I did this and I was a part of this, but man, it sure sucks. It sure sucks to feel alone. Imagine being Paul. I, I, man, I, I didn't realize the support. I, didn't, I wish it didn't have to be like this, but it's easy to get stuck. The text says, though, this is what it says. It says, after the believers prayed for them. It says that they went on every place they went. It was strengthened. How do you move, Pat? Sometimes if you, if you feel stuck, if you're, not, if you're not able to deal with how you've been wrong, here's what I say to you. Please get God involved. This is, what am I, what I, it's, it's, it's so simple. But getting, how, how do I move past? I gotta get God involved because when you choose this, this pedestal of superiority, everybody thinks that you're okay because you just keep talking about how I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. But nobody ever asks you, yeah, but how do you feel about being wronged? That's what keeps you stuck. 
You got to get God involved. What am I, what does that look like? Sometimes it's just like, God, I'm hurting. God, I feel alone. God, I don't understand this relational trauma. I don't understand why my spouse is like this. I don't understand why my kids are in this situation. Not just the fight, the fight, the appearance, but I'm talking about being willing to bear all because here's what happens. God's, God has a way of dealing with all of this, this he man, I'm stronger than life, callous, nothing can harm me thing that all of us do. And he breaks it down. And you know where it leads you? It leads you to this place of humility. Problems in life should always lead you to humility, not superiority. What is, what is humility? It's this place of, I don't really know if I was right. I did my best, but there was a lot. It was messy, man. It was messy. And it was messy because we're both humans and we both have perspectives. And I don't know, but I'm trying and my heart is just open. I don't even care if I was right. I don't care if they, what happens? When God gets in there, he does this way of leading you to, to humility. Can I tell you the key to happiness in life? Humility. Why? Because it's a standard you can live up to. Humility is powerful because it's a standard I can live up to. What is the humility standard? I would not, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for somebody putting me here. And so who am I to act like I know everything about everything or like I'm perfect and I handled every situation. I got a temper and they got a temper. We handled things different ways. We had a difference of opinion. Humility versus superiority. Why is a superiority complex is always an unhappy life. Why? Because you can never live up to that standard. When you set the standard of, I'm right because, good luck with that. Because then you got, you got to sustain that. You got, to, you got to recite that story year after year after year. What happened there? Well, let me tell you what happened there. Instead of this position of humility, I don't really know, man. It was messy. It was messy. I probably didn't do everything perfect. They probably didn't do every, everything perfect. And what happens is, when you can allow God to get into the mix and lead you to humility, what you thought was division, my friends, turns into multiplication. Did you hear what I said? When I allow God into this place where I feel stuck, where I feel sidelined, oh, it hurts. That's family, man. That's not like a far out friend. That's somebody that was close and I didn't see this one coming. And I don't know how I'm going to get past this. And sometimes it's five, ten years in the making. When you start saying, God, would you just help? Would you help me because I'm hurt? I need your help. I need you to somehow reconcile, not just external things. I get that, but reconcile my heart, my emotions. All of a sudden he leads you down this road. He, you find your sensitivity again. You find your sensitivity again. You find your humility again. And when you find your humility again, what seemed like division turns into multiplication. Can I tell you, remember I said relationships are complex? What you're facing, what you're arguing about, what you're burdened by, it's usually not about that thing. You, y'all think this is really about Mark? Like what's crazy to me about this situation, you, you think that the situation is about, you're gonna throw away this relationship, this brotherhood over one guy going or not going? No, 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 I don't, I don't think it's that. I think because we romanticize relationships and we don't celebrate diversity, a lot of times petty is people's permission to pursue their passion. Let, let me say it again. You know those things that happen in relationships? This is what we're, this, it's over what? It's over this? Because a lot of times people don't have the courage to say, this is my passion and this is what's in my heart and this is the direction because we haven't celebrated diversity. We teach people that they have to play to win. They can't just be them. So they're looking for the thing. When can I get out of here? That'll work, Mark will work. A lot of times petty is your permission, is people's permission to pursue their passion. A lot of times it's not you anyway. Isn't it interesting? You keep reading the Bible, as it gets down the line, Paul, who didn't want Mark to go, actually calls for Mark and said, hey, would you send Mark? He'd be good for my ministry. What? 
Why? Because a lot of times the problem that you're facing isn't, isn't the problem. A lot of times you have, you have other issues that are going on. You have tensions. You have God trying to lead things in a different direction, but you're not listening to the whispers. So it has to get a little bit louder. And all of a sudden it gets disruptive and we think, ah, oh, division. But sometimes it's God saying, come on, guys, we got to get going here. It's funny, you, you read this text and it's like, what? I mean, you would think about what Paul's so mad about. He's mad that Mark wasn't there to help them with their missionary work. Well, whose missionary work was it, Paul? It was yours. This is what we do as humans. Well, you don't make me happy. Hold up. Like, nobody is responsible for your happiness, folks. Not your friends, not your boss, not your spouse. They're not, do you want that responsibility? To make somebody else fulfilled and have you and perfect you? Not me. Not me. What am I saying? A lot of times there's more going on than you think. That's why you have to have a bigger perspective. To know that my goal in relationship is not to be perfect. It's not to be that we don't argue. It's that I have to understand how they function. They're working on building something. They're, they're, they're building things. So I have to know sometimes don't got to stay to win. Sometimes don't got to play to win. Sometimes don't got to win to win. There's a bigger picture. What I do have to do is I have to keep moving. Are you in motion? Keep moving. Or if you allow maybe a problem to sideline you. I want to give you an opportunity just to invite God in. Would you close your eyes with me all across this room? God, you know the situations that we're facing and myself included. You just know how messy life is, like relationships are. We live in these glass houses, especially in this day and age, where we try to pontificate perfection and like things are just one way, when in reality, it's, it's just not that simple. It's not as simple as who's right and who's wrong and oh, get your act together. It's complex and you know that. So God, we ask right now that you would just come into these situations. And when I, we say come into them, we're not saying like make them look like we wanna look externally. We're saying, would you help us in the area of our soul? Help us in the area that we feel wronged because we're carrying this pressure because our kids haven't turned out the way we wanted them to turn out. And there's a lot of tension right now. And we don't get it. And we're frustrated. And we've chosen a position of superiority, but we don't want to be there because we can't uphold that standard. Would you get involved to lead us down that road? To It's just, it's bigger than us. And to be okay with that, right where you're at, I want to give you a second. Just maybe under your breath, your thoughts out of your mouth. Just, God, would you help? Sometimes it's just like that. Sometimes it's just help. Help me with my kids. Help me with my relationship. Help me with my expectations. Beyond that, help me with my relationships with my boss, my friends. God, I just ask in this place that there would be reconciliation. I want you to hear what I'm talking about. Reconciliation, being peace in the middle of the storm. I'm not talking about everything goes back to how it was. I'm talking about peace in the middle of the storm. Reconciliation, what is that? Peace is nothing missing, nothing broken. It's true reconciliation. Reconciliation is not everything the way that it used to be, the way that I want it to be. No, but nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm talking to parents who, who have lost your child. I'm talking about ch children who have lost your parents. I'm talking to spouses who have lost your loved one. And you think, man, it's not going to be the same. My kids are going to be less than, my family is going to be less than because of the loss. And I just declare reconciliation, peace in the middle of the storm, nothing missing, nothing broken. Do you understand it? No. Do you get it? No. Was it fair? No. If we could change it, would we? Yeah. But here's what I know about God. When I keep moving, he takes what should be division and he makes it multiplication. And everywhere you go, things are strengthened. Everywhere you go, 
things are strengthened. I'm talking your business endeavors are strengthened. I'm talking your relationships with your family, even though you're so different, 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 they're strengthened. I just declare that over you today. I just declare that over the, over the, the parts of your heart that hurt the most. Come on, just in this place, I know there's people here that have numbed yourself from the pain that you feel that you don't even, but you know, you, you're like, oh God, because I, I know it's down in there. I just declare, man, a courage over you to be able to invite God in to stop carrying this banner of superiority. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Trust me, I've done, the reason I can even say this is because I've lived it. I know what it's like to choose the superiority complex. Man, it's a burden that no person should bear. Humility, I'm just a human along for this ride. I'm not perfect. Things are way more complex than I know. But I know as long as I trust God, invite him in and keep moving, he'll make sure that everything is strengthened. Right where you're at, just open your heart to God. Todd, would you sing something just real quick? somebody that needs to hear this. Your pressure is not one that you put on yourself, but the one that you carry based upon what other people think of what you've been through. So your fear is not that God couldn't do it in your life, that God couldn't reconcile or God couldn't turn it around, but you carry this shame based upon other people's perspective of what you've been through. Because of the situation, because of the issue that everybody knows about and you feel like you got a scarlet letter on you. What am I talking about? That's the place that I'm saying, let, let him in there. Invite him in there. You gotta rewire your mind to say, I won't go there. 
I'm not going to be moved by what people think. I'm not going to be reserved and hold back from the steps that I know are in my heart that God is calling me to take because of the perception of other people or because of the guilt and the shame that I feel, not even because of my decisions, because I know God forgives me, but because of the pressure and the burden of what other people think because I know that they haven't. Today, I just free you in this place to tell you that you're okay, not because you're perfect. You're okay because God, through his grace and his mercy, has qualified you. And I'm not just talking on like, a, sometimes you know these things intellectually, but I'm talking, are you living like it? I know you know he's, but are you living like you're free? What is freedom? Freedom is the removal of anything that's standing between me and the life that I want. That's what freedom is. Are you living a life of freedom? Or do you have things in the way? If so, my question is, what's in the way? And why is it in the way? Because the Bible says the reason that Jesus came and died, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what it said. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. In other words, the way he sees you is there's nothing between you and the life that you're supposed to be living. Are you living that way? Are you living that way? Or do you still think that the relational trauma or the the situation, the divorce, the, the, the shame, the guilt, whatever it is that maybe you've experienced or felt, like somehow, some way, it's a stain on your reputation. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. You either believe it or you don't. Free, nothing standing between you and the life that God has called you to live. I'm here to tell you to start moving. I'm here to tell you to start moving. You've been waiting to be qualified and he's already qualified you. Start moving. Start taking steps. Well, what will they, no, no, no. You, you, some, some, it's easy sometimes to use the cop out of I'm just being faithful and sometimes you're just being foolish. Start moving. When you move, he multiplies. When you move, he multiplies. When you move, he multiplies. When you stay stuck, things stay divided. When you stay stuck, things stay divided. But when you move, division becomes multiplication. God, in this place, would you help these things that need to stick? Let them stick. Anything that needs to fall to the side that's maybe for later, let it fall to the side. We ask these things today. Maybe if you're in this place, one more thing before we go. You never made a decision to place your faith in Christ. The Bible says whoever believes, calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. We talk a lot about our life here on earth, but we believe that we spend forever somewhere, heaven or hell. We believe it's that simple. We place our faith in Jesus. God no longer sees us based upon our performance, but based upon his free gift, his son. He sees us through the lens of perfection. If you wanna make that decision to place your faith in somebody bigger than yourself, that person being Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity. We're family, so nobody's gonna pray alone. I'm not gonna try to talk you into it. I believe your heart compels you to do so. But celebration, can we say this out loud? Some of you just reminding yourself what you believe. Can we pray this as a family together? Say, Jesus, today I believe in my heart and I say out of my mouth, you are the son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe you came back from the dead for me. Today, I call you my Savior, and I choose to make you my Lord. Say this, say, God, help me to live the life that you've made me to live. Say that again. Say, God, help me to live the life that you've made me to live. Now say this, show me greater things. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Can we put our hands together and celebrate with those?
prayed that maybe for the first time. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.